insurance is growing at a very rapid clip. Beginning to hear challenges of folks. And this may be a challenge with the resurgence of the commercial real estate market is that folks are having challenges getting insurance. If you cannot get insurance, that obviously creates challenges for a number of parties down the road. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. We're back again today with our guest, Brian Bailey. I hope you listened to yesterday's segment. Uh, but, man, we're going to dive into operations. Man, those expenses are increasing. And he's going to bring some of those things to light, even some things that maybe as an operator, past investor, you need to be looking towards and expecting uh, that I didn't expect. He's going to talk about today, and he's going to focus. Uh, he's going to focus a little bit of time specifically on passive investors, as well as we talk about what you need to be looking for uh, in the economy right now, or over the next six to twelve months. Uh, he's going to speak specifically to you, where he gets some of his data from, uh, and a number of different things. Listeners joining us again today, back with our guest Brian Bailey. Uh, Brian, welcome back to the show. I'm honored to continue the conversation. I hope the listeners will go back and listen to yesterday's segment. If you didn't hear it, uh, Brian elaborated on so many things that I know you have questions about right now, about the economy and, and are the commercial real estate values accurate and, and what's happening with the, the banks? Are they healthy? Are they not? He dove in deep on a number of those things yesterday. We're going to continue today. Brian, I know you need to put that disclaimer out and let's do that knock that out and let's jump right back in. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Whitney. So just for transparency purposes, these are my thoughts and not necessarily those of my colleagues from the Atlanta Federal Reserve Bank or the Board of Governors. And we're recording this show on September 7th. Awesome. Well, again, Brian, I'm grateful uh, to have you on the show and be able to share your expertise with the listeners. And so a lot's happened on the operations front as well, right? With operators, the expenses specifically. There's a number of things happening with the increased expenses. I know we're going to talk about a few of those, but why don't you give us an overall picture of that as well? And we'll dive into a few of those specifically. Right. I think one of the concerns I've been watching, Whitney, for the last 18 months is operating expenses and their growth rate. Many operators have said, when was the last time that property taxes and insurance and utilities and labor, we're all up double digits. And really, that's a perspective across all property segments. And you think about that in context with what rents are doing. We know that they're uh, up until the last year or so, there was growth, sizable growth in rents in multifamily. Rents are, are certainly growing at healthy rates in retail and industrial, not so much in office. But on that front, we know that expenses have been growing and growing at a very sizable clip. And on that front, we know that there may be stagnation or erosion to operating income. And so on that front, I think that, and we know that it has implications for property value. So another kind of challenge that the industry has to face when it's trying to accurately gauge what property value is, is kind of how 
fast our expense is growing. We know many uh, of the folks that I'm engaged with right now are talking about challenges associated with insurance. And whether you're on the coast and your rates are up 300%, that is happening uh, in coastal Florida and coastal Louisiana right now. I'm sure there are other areas to areas that are inland where it's up 100% to even areas in the Southeast that are not, or, or the Midwest that are not impacted by natural disasters where rates are up 20 or 25%. So on that front, inflation, pardon me, uh, insurance is growing at a very rapid clip. Beginning to hear challenges of folks, and this may be a challenge with the resurgence of the commercial real estate market, is that folks are having challenges getting insurance. If you cannot get insurance, that obviously creates challenges for a number of parties down the road, i.e. your lender, et cetera. On that front, that could begin to create greater headwinds as far as transaction volume returning to a more normalized rate, transaction volume rate. So I think there are some issues that are beginning to crop up, insurance being one of them. I think another one that we'll have to watch is what are the implications for property tax values as a number of our large cities derive a significant portion of the city's budget from property taxes, which we know values in commercial real estate are coming down. There'll be certainly an offset on the residential front, but will this also mean that there's some kind of reduction in the services that the municipality provides? Will that fall to the rank and file commercial real estate owner to kind of backstop and come in and fulfill some of those burdens already seeing that taking place, which then in essence creates more challenges on the bottom line. So I think there are some challenges that I'm watching and certainly they've come back. They're accelerated in the last 18 months and I expect them to be with us for the foreseeable future. It's interesting thought about the the property taxes and the values coming down. Therefore, the property taxes potentially coming down. Uh, but I, I would see the the property taxes going up instead of <laughs> some way right? versus coming down. And and you mentioned maybe even the cities then providing uh, less services, right? But because of the lack of income, uh, and there's definitely implications of that, right? No doubt about it. Uh, but uh, one other, or yeah, well, let's talk about that in just a moment. What, what do you see that looking at? I honestly haven't thought about that, about the, I don't know how, what that time frame would be where we would see the implication of that, where cities are actually providing less services because of the, the less income and how, say, multifamily communities or whatever, maybe commercial operators are going to, what, what are we going to do, right, in that? Well, uh, let's talk hypothetically. Let's say that it manifests itself in the fact that we are not able to hire as many police as we need. From that standpoint, their response times, are, it takes a, a greater amount of response time for them to show up in, at, a, at an event. And from that standpoint, then people begin to get 
perception challenges, sediment, negative sediment around pieces of property or areas or neighborhoods, that kind of thing. From that standpoint, that negative sediment can certainly impact property values. And I think that we'll see there, there are significant downtown areas, New York, San Francisco, Washington, DC, downtown Atlanta, and the list goes on and on where I think the value of those office buildings are coming down even as we speak. There was a, a deal in the uh, suburbs of Atlanta this week that traded at 50% less than what they paid for it last year. These And so on, on that front, that has to impact not only the property tax revenue coming off of that property, but all the ones in the immediate neighborhood. And from that standpoint, I think that the city at some point has to figure out, hey, we're either going to raise taxes, we're going to derive that income from somewhere else, or we're going to cut services. And I think in, in essence, if there are a, the response from property owners could very well be to create a, a, a special tax district. And then we have our own security force. And if we do it correctly, we can, we have off-duty police officers that can, in essence, make sure that there are safe, safe areas, safe, safe properties. And from that standpoint, crime is under control. And that is, has a positive sentiment and a po positive impact on property value. Yeah, no, I appreciate the perspective there and just thinking through that a little bit. Uh, and even for operators right now, just think through the implications of, of that potentially in the future. As some of these projects, we may plan to hold another seven, eight years, right, or longer. And we'll see the implications of that during the life cycle of those properties, most likely. We think about the impacts on affordable housing. From that standpoint, there are a lot of police calls to affordable housing. And if, right. and if those projects, those complexes become synonymous with slower response times, potentially the perception of more crime, in essence, your insurance could go up. You may not get insurance depending on the viability of the market. And so from that standpoint, I think there are a lot of spillover effects that we have to continue to be aware of as we need a, a, an efficient marketplace. We need to get back to an efficient marketplace, in essence, to get property transactions back to some level of what you would call normal. Yeah, going back even to the insurance piece, well, it was so important, right? <laughs> we have proper insurance. Man, it's so crucial. But you talked about in some places it going up 300%. Yeah, you, you can't even, there's so many were not planning on that, right? That was not in their forecast of their, or in their underwriting, right? When they were buying that project, I bet that they were expecting that. Um, any, and what have you seen operators or buyers do to combat that, right? Or the risk of not being able to get insurance or, or any thoughts there? Right. I think it's, a, it's it, there's so many folks who are not expecting that kind of increase. Even we're constantly talking to 
the regulated lending universe about, hey, you need to stress test. You need to run stress tests on rent. You need to run stress tests on expenses and cap rates and debt service. But in essence, your stress test, if you ran one on expenses, is not going to... There's probably a very remote chance that you said, hey, the outside is insurance is up 300% this year. I think that that is one way that I know to kind of manage some of the risk. In essence, if you're aware that the risk can occur from that standpoint, you begin to kind of put your head around kind of the abstract abstract view of risk. If rents can go up, they can also go down. Same thing with operating expenses. We've seen insurance rates during the early 2000s and even the early 2010s, where in essence, rates were up very little, even in some cases declined. Now we're seeing them grow at at an enhanced rate. And from that standpoint, I think doing stress tests to mitigate that risk, to understand it, is probably the first step um, in, in one of several. But for me to kind of go further and comment on reducing specific tactics probably doesn't add a lot of value because what we know is commercial real estate is, is very individualized. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, Brian, let's, let's shift gears just a little bit as we come to- towards the, even the end of this segment, believe it or not, that those have some other questions that I just want to get your thoughts on. Uh, and, and I want to focus even on the, say, passive investors right now that because uh, we have a number of uh, people who invest passively. They, they love hearing from people like yourself about what's happening in the economy. Uh, but just I know they're asking, well, Brian, is now the time to invest? Is it, should I wait 12 months? Should I wait six months? Just any thoughts behind that? Because I know that's what they're thinking. Even a lot of the stuff I know we've talked about, as many may even write back and say, we do this kind of over my head. What do I need to know? I guess just break it down a little more. So man, any thoughts? Let's, let's look at the drivers really quick. You think about in a capital intensive industry like commercial real estate, the economy is probably the foundation. From that standpoint, we have job growth. Some areas have population growth more so than others. I think those are two factors right now that, in my view, you look at the foundation, job growth is slowing somewhat, but it still remains very robust. You have to look at the capital side of the equation right now, which is much more problematic, much, much more uncertainty, whether it's this vast wave of maturities that's coming, will there be enough of uh, liquidity to do to 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 refinance them i think the answer is absolutely yes but it may look much much different than what we've seen in the past part of it driven because the banking sector is ratcheting up their underwriting standards and in a lot of instances requiring more and more equity cash i heard someone on your show a few weeks ago say cash is king uh, absolutely. I do think that having added liquidity, added cash at this point is a, a very good dynamic. We've not seen the complete change in cap rates driven by 
an increasing rate environment. There are two components. One is the Fed, but two also two is the market. What does that risk premium look like above kind of the risk-free rate? We don't know yet. And on that front, that is still yet to be determined. So I, I think that we are in the midst of price discovery as far as value is concerned, but there's a lot of uncertainty right now on the commercial real estate front. Is it healthy? Yes. But I think that we are seeing a sizable number of changes. In some instances, those changes are so severe that we're seeing value decline very significantly in the likes of some of the office, some of the office sector. At the same point, I want to be very clear and say that there are some office properties right now that are, that that they're very healthy and there are a sizable leasing, leasing rates going on. So I, I think, unfortunately, we are in time from the capital side of commercial real estate where things are much, much more uncertain. Yeah, for sure. Definitely lots of uncertainty. And, and Brian, where would you say, like, where do you get your data from? What do you trust? Or if you can share, I know a lot of listeners, it's like, oh, Whitney, what should I be reading? Where should I? Because it's hard to know, like, right, where we, what we can trust, right? Where the information's even coming from. Uh, do you have a source or a few sources maybe you can share or anything that it's like, man, I go to this every morning or I don't know, anything right. like that? So I'm very blessed. Being at the Fed, we have arguably the best commercial real, we have the best data set, whether it's the drivers of fundamentals like job growth or consumer spending or population migration, looking at those trends, trying to understand kind of the kind of supply and demand piece of commercial real estate. Then there's the finance, finance perspective. And I think that is nuanced, whether it's increasing rates, whether it's the availability of capital. And, and then there's the sentiment. If you think about it, you could have a, a, a great understanding and, and a great understanding of price and availability of capital. But if your neighbor has negative sentiment or he gets in a distressed situation and he just unloads the building, that is a challenge. That's a, a dynamic, a, a circumstance that you can't plan for. So I think that there is a dynamic of, of greater uncertainty. From that standpoint, I'm watching a lot of the CMBS lending right now. What we know, there's... The information is publicly available. And on that front, you can see what what the impact on sediment is for distress. You can see delinquency rates, things like that. I think that's a pretty good indicator barometer of kind of some of the financial health right now. Yeah, that's a great tip to be watching that. I know a lot of investors, yeah, would love to be able to watch that as well, especially hearing you talk about it. What about, which I guess shifting gears a little bit here, but I always love to hear uh, on a personal note more about the metrics that people track. Like what's important to you? What's helped you to be successful? 
It could be personally or professionally. It could be something that you're tracking in the commercial real estate sector. It could be something, how many times you're going to the gym, but anything, metrics that are important to Brian. Right. Absolutely. So a a few, this might come across as obsessive compulsive, but I have been known to walk the parking lots of hotels at night trying to gauge what their occupancy, what their occupancy looks like. Certainly a student of kind of retailing. And from that standpoint, I'm looking at as my daily travels, looking at how stores are merchandise right now. I think that retail has come through a significant challenge. The good, the sellers of goods still have some of those challenges. We've shifted away from and gone to the sale of services. But I think from that standpoint, I think the good sellers are probably the area that I have some of the most concern around as far as retailing right now. But again, we talked about it on yesterday's show. Retailing, I think, is in a fairly good spot. There, give me interesting, get a little exercise while gauging the occupancy, right? Yeah, you <laughs> bet. Good, absolutely. Good idea. Any other habits that you are strict about that produce a high return for you? Well, I try to spend the first thing in the morning early, kind of reading through the media, trying to kind of understand what what they're kind of what they think are their hot buttons. I think we have to be careful because there's a tendency to kind of, for lack of better words, a kind of a herd mentality. Oh, we'll all talk about the retail apocalypse or all talk about horrible office dynamics as nobody's going back to work. Yet, once you kind of begin to kind of, you gauge that sediment and then marry it with data as well as observations from folks who are out in the industry doing it day in and day out. That's kind of where I have the smell test. So I like to early in the morning read and then throughout the day, try to validate some of those thoughts through talking to various industry contacts. And Brian, finally, how do you like to give back? I don't like to give back in, in what respect? Uh, anyway, just maybe teaching or sharing or just how you help other people anyway. Uh, a lot oh, of listeners yeah, yeah. left for me yeah, to ask. No, no. So... I used to be a coach of youth, youth sports. Uh, I'm now out of that phase. I'm old and fragile, I guess. But uh, <laughs> I do a fair amount with kind of the, the college student crowd these days. Trying, It's a challenging, challenging environment when you're getting close to graduation or you're graduating and then it's like, oh my gosh, now I've got to start bills and this is for real and so I think there there's an opportunity there to kind of mentor the next generation in part some of the knowledge some of the some of the experience that i've learned so from that standpoint that's kind of what is driving me these days and then when i don't have enough going on i'm working on my doctorate in my spare time at the University of Florida, 
And my wife thinks I absolutely lost it because I'm up till all hours of the night, early in the morning, reading academic papers. Sounds like fun, right? <laughs> it is. Absolutely. But I think it's a good way to, to, to impart some knowledge and wisdom. To, no uh, doubt about it. I, yeah, I meant to stay up, stay up late reading those papers. Uh, yep. But uh, now, Brian, I'm grateful for you giving back to us. You've been very generous with your time, uh, you know, over two segments here and even diving in further, man, the operations expenses and things that we need to be thinking about as operators and as passive investors. I need to be looking at it. And you even dove into the passive investing side quite a bit as well and things they should be looking at and those drivers. So very grateful for your time and your generosity to us. Tell the listeners again how they can get in touch with you or learn more about you or where they should go. Absolutely. The Atlanta Fed, the AtlantaFed.org is where there's a lot of information. And certainly we talk to, I talk to a number of external events every year where we, where I do presentations and we make the presentation material available. So I'm sure that if you do an internet search, the material is widely available. Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today.